Good morning. Oh, lively group this morning. So back in January when I came here, Elvin said, I want to get you to preach so that people get to know you and part of your sermon, uh, share a little bit about yourself. And then he plunks me in the middle of the sex talk. That's a bit too personal. I'm... And if you came this morning thinking we're going to continue on this by the, patch, the caption, the greatest gift ever given, we're still not talking about sex, but something else. But I, I did notice in the first service I had a bit more time, so I want to, someone said to me, well, we didn't really find out about who you are. So um, I'm the new executive pastor here. My name is Paris, and my wife is Heather. You won't see Heather today. She's off with her uh, parents, helping them out and getting to know them and doing some stuff with them. So she's in Ontario. But we have two boys. One boy, our oldest, Kyle, is with Caroline in Calgary, and they reside there. And our youngest is Byron and his wife, Cassie, and they have our little son, Carter. He's turning two. Uh, we do, we, I do say I do have two grandsons. One is in heaven, and one is here on earth. <laughs> when we talk about a gift, that's part of our story. So I just want to let you know that. When we did the 40 and 4, uh, Alvin asked me, how many grandkids do you have? And I said, one. So I want to bring clarity to that. We've had two. And so that's part of our story. God has taken me from Regina, the promised land, Saskatchewan. Just <laughs> read Isaiah 40. It's in there. Yeah. The mountains shall be made plains. Okay. It's the promised land. Um, that's what heaven will look like. I'm sure of it. Uh, I came from BC and I kept telling the people there, the mountains get in the way of the view. And so I love being out here. It's great. I started in Saskatchewan, went to Manitoba, went to Bible school there, met my lovely bride, convinced her to marry me, um, went through the long process with her parents to get them to say yes. So I'm a salesman at heart, and it uh, took a little while, but they um, succumbed to my conniving able to do that. And, and then Heather said yes, so that's even better. Uh, we went to Paris, and I proposed her at the base of the Eiffel Tower. Oh, yeah, Paris, Ontario. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah. It's amazing when you leave out a little bit of details, what people fill in, right? Okay. But I want you to, and then we got married, and we traveled around different provinces, and I'm going to tell you the rest of my story as, we, as you get to know me, but that's just a snapshot. And here, God led us here in a very special way. I left our congregation in Merritt, uh, saddened to go, because we were really um, just hitting a groove with them. But God opened the door here, and I told them, when God opens the door, and you don't go through, you're not following his will. And so I had to leave that group and come here, and I'm excited on the ministry that God has put us here. But I have a question for you. And Karen gave you a bit of a, a thinking about it. What is the greatest gift you have ever received? Okay, so think about that for more. What's the greatest gift you've ever received? And as you're thinking about that gift, I want to get you to go through your mind on a couple of questions. Was that great gift because of financial aspects to the gift? Was that greatest gift a sentimental part 
of the gift? Was it the greatest gift because of who gave it to you? Was it a great gift because the sacrifice of the giver marks important in your mind and that's because it's the greatest gift? Is the greatest gift a person, a place, a thing, or an idea? And do you have that gift in mind? Are you thinking of a gift? Is the greatest gift you're thinking of this morning you haven't received yet and you have in your mind, this would be the greatest gift? And maybe today, later, as we fellowship around tables and hopefully you stay for potluck, and maybe you want to say to someone, this is what I thought of when the pastor asked me and share with them because maybe it will change after you hear words of scripture this morning. Maybe there's been many things in your life. I've had many things in my life and to narrow it down to one gift is kind of hard and maybe impossible. Maybe you're like the child in church in Sunday school who when the teacher says, what's the greatest gift, you blurt out? Jesus, yes, of course. Maybe that's what you're thinking. This morning's passage is some way talking about a gift. You see, Paul is speaking to those who are followers of Christ and sets out to encourage them, the church of Christ's work on the cross, is that's a gift for us. And it's a gift to you. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and you haven't given your life over to Christ. May I encourage you to do that. There is time today to do that. And you'll receive the greatest gift you've ever been given. But what you'll notice this morning is this gift and the greatness about this gift. It's magnified because of what it does for us. It's not about us, but what it does for us. It shows its greatness through us. Let me leave you with a thought to linger as we talk. What if we hold in our care the greatest gift and it will become great when we give it away? With that in mind, open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 4. If you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles at the back I hear, and I think on the screen it's going to come up there as well. You can follow along or just listen to me. I'm reading from God's Word. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the Word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled for those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We, have, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. 
For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise with us with Jesus and present us with you and himself. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, as we open your word this morning, would you give us insight? Would you speak by your spirit to our hearts and may be willing to listen? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what is the gift? Paul's talking about a gift, but did you catch what the gift was when you heard those scriptures? Maybe you're saying, Pastor, it wasn't clear to me as it appears so clear to you. And if you're thinking this, I thought the same thing when I started looking at this passage. You see, the gift is spelled out in the very first verse of this chapter. But if you haven't read the previous chapter, you would have missed it. It's the ministry. And you're saying, What's, what ministry? It's the gift of the Spirit dwelling within us is the gift. Look at 3 verse 8 of 2 Corinthians. Will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? Now I'm speaking to those in the crowd who have given their life, who have surrendered their life to the Savior. They've accepted what was once, they were accepted, they were lost in their sin, accepted God's free gift of salvation by acknowledging Christ's work on the cross to take our sins and stand before the Father, calling us blameless on that day. That's what it means to be a follower of Christ. And if you're here this morning and you haven't given your life over to Christ, may I urge you to do that today. Don't wait. Maybe you've been coming to this church for a while and been hearing message after message, but today is the day you need to bow before Christ and give your life to him. Because the gift of the Spirit of God that dwells in us by God's grace and mercy, God's word transforms our lives when the Spirit indwells all believers. It's the gift of God that we've come to and he dwells within us. It's with this understanding that Paul proclaims, we do not lose heart. If you believe and understand that truth, we do not lose heart. Has your, rough, has your week been a rough one? Have trials and tribulations come and they come pouring down on you and you come this morning wounded and broken and you're wondering why God isn't answering your prayers? Do not lose heart. Because today's scripture will show you why and how. Paul is reminding the believers in Corinth what this ministry is all about. Look at the verse again. But we have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word by an open statement of the truth. We commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God, Paul says. 
I find it interesting in today's larger church, and I follow along some of different churches to see, and I find it interesting that they are moving away from preaching or talking about the Old Testament, and let's only study the New Testament. Let's only study what Jesus said. The gospel, the good news, starts in Genesis and goes all the way to Revelation. It's the Old Testament and New Testament together. The entire scripture is the story of God, the gospel, the good news. Paul's word of challenging us is to not tamper with God's word. Drawing attention to the speaking in the Old Testament. It was the scripture of the day when Paul taught. And God's word was being added as he wrote with inspiration. Some of the critics of the time were claiming Paul was changing the God's word to allow the Gentiles into the faith. And Christ's salvation was for all in this gospel. But some were struggling with his teaching. And he taught them. Because Paul knew that the gift, which I'll go into detail shortly, was stored in him. A man could, who could easily manipulate and change things, he could do that, but he, he challenged the people to be sound in the word and their understanding, continue to read and study. And then Paul mentioned something that to me is both encouraging and alarming. He says, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled for those who are perishing. It's encouraged to remember that this gospel, this message, this gift that dwells within us, works through us, is only understand, understood with the Spirit revealing to those who are veiled, who those are lost. Do you have people who are lost in your life? Do you have a burden to share Christ with them? See, Paul says these things are... God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all the things, even the deep things of God. He searches, he looks, he knows. When I was five years old, my parents took me to school, as you normally start school in grade five. And part of going to school, you had to go get your eyes checked. My mom sat me down and said, don't worry, son. You're not having to get glasses. That's not what they're going for. I was worried about that. Don't worry about that. You just got to get this test done. I walked out with a prescription for glasses. I've had glasses since I've been five. I'm, I'm blind. If I take my glasses off, my fingers get blurry from this far away. Two weeks later, the glasses arrive, and I put them on, and I come home, and I look out the front window and said, there's a tree in the front yard. <laughs> Apparently, I really did need glasses. <laughs> the glasses help me see. The Spirit helps others see Christ. The Spirit works in our lives so people can see. We share the gospel through our lives, the good news. We need to continue to pray that the Spirit will open the eyes of those and they too can proclaim the word of God in their life. The alarming part of the veil is that truth leads to a soul that is perishing there's several ministries in this world that want to change the gospel, make it more palatable, make it more understanding so people come easily. There is a cost to follow Christ. You must give your life totally to him to follow him, not a message that's centered around us. It's centered around him. Folks, the Spirit is not holding the truth from people. Rather, as Paul puts it, the God of this age has blinded the mind of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. 
The God of this world claims you can do it on your own. Look how strong you are. Look what you've gone through and look what you have done. It tells them that you're the number one person. Take care of yourself and only look out for your own interest. That's the God of this world. It's not wrong to care for yourself, but when it comes in the way of following Christ, it is. He needs to be first in our life. Paul's ministry was to reach the people with the gospel for those who were lost. The moment we as a church lose sight of the lost, we lose part of the gospel in our ministry. I learned many years ago as I was in ministry that I was so busy at one point in my ministries in Ontario, I spent all day with believers. I spent the evening with believers. I spent the whole week with believers. On Saturday, I went and did things with other believers. On Sunday, I came back to church, and guess what? I was with believers. And God said, enough of this. Pulled me out of that ministry and put me in construction. Gave me a hard hat. (laughs) Maybe I was hard-headed, I don't know. But he gave me a hard hat. And I learned the world of which we are to live in but not be part of it. I learned that's the people, that's the ministry. I put that hard hat in my office today to remind myself that we are here to be in the world but not of it, but be a witness to the world. A world of people who need to hear God's grace for their lives. I was put in this world to be a light, to see how the blinded God of this world would have taken people to remind me the importance of being to be the need for this world and not be part of it. It requires me to go out and be a light, to let this gift of God grace in me be visible to all who see. This message was in Paul's words, in Paul's life. But he continued to say, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Paul could have boasted how great he was, but he boasted about God. He goes on to describe where this gift is stored in jars of clay that can be easily broken. At the beginning, I asked you to think of the greatest gift you've ever received. If that gift was a possession, what are you doing to protect it? For my teenage years, I began an interest in Volkswagen Beetles, and I had sort of a problem. I started collecting them. (laughs) First big ones, and then I went to the little ones, the little Hot Wheel cars. I'd go into the store, and every time I'd walk into any store, and they still have them today, Dollarama, Walmart, I know all the different places, I know where they are. I walk up to the aisle, and I pick out a VW Beetle car, and I buy it, and then I put it in a box. And I'd go to the store next week, and oh, there's another one. I buy it again, not realizing I already had that one, because I had a poor memory. And I began to value these Hot Wheel cars. They were becoming my greatest treasure. How did I protect them? I put, hide them in a box because the sun, I don't want to damage the, you know, the description on it. And by all means, what? Don't take them out of the package because one day they're going to be valuable. <laughs> For many of you, you would never know that I have a fascination with Volkswagen Beetles because they're tucked away in a box sealed in my garage covered in sawdust. But they're there. If the greatest gift ever ever given to you 
is to have the spirit dwell within you, what are you doing with that gift? If God's gospel is in your life, if it's visible for all, or has the greatest gift God given you, have you tucked it away, like in a box, in your house, not visible for anyone? Or have you recognized, like Paul, that this gospel of a God, God working through your life in your vessel that's easily broken, easily marred, is shining through to those around you? You're broken so that God's greatness will shine through your life. Because Paul states, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Folks, I've lived out those words. In life, we are pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Lady, we're going to celebrate communion together. A reminder that Christ shed blood is for us. I'm not sure about you, but I'm looking forward to the day that this earthly vessel that I will be renewed. I'm not sure about your body, but mine's not in great shape but one day it will be renewed. Then the trials of this life and the things that we face will be gone and Christ will be glorified. But until then, Paul reminds us that the struggle of this world in which we face can only be faced with the greatness of God's Holy Spirit dwelling in us, that gift. It's through the Spirit working in us that we're able to face the trials of life that we come along our way. How do we know this to be true? Look at verse 14. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. Some of you are wondering when this will be revealed. When will this gift come? Paul continues. He says, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving us for an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So folks, we fix our eyes on what is not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Paul says, do not lose heart. Do not lose heart. These are hard words to say when you're in the midst of a struggle. You're encountering a health issue. Do not lose heart. You've lost your job, and you're wondering where the next paycheck is going to come. Do not lose heart. You've lost someone important in your life. Do not lose heart. You wonder where your prayers aren't being answered. God, why isn't that timing coming? Do not lose heart. Because God will and continues to work through those circumstances to bring you hope in him. As we face the circumstances that seem to be crushing us, remember the true message is in Christ and we are just vessels carrying around and showing that truth. Maybe the journey you're going through now is to show someone else God's goodness in your life. I want to leave you with something. 
The true message of Christ is we are just the vessel carrying and showing the truth. It's not about us. God is working through us. Second, God will only allow things that we can handle. The more we give to him and our burdens and our worries and cares, the less they become our burdens. I wonder, do you have burdens that you need to give to God? Thirdly, Paul was encouraged that the spirit renewed him when he was down and the same spirit that renewed him dwells within each one of us and will renew us in those difficult times as we go through. And finally, folks, our eyes need to be fixed on the things that will come and not where we are, where we are at. There's a common phrase you will hear me say time and time again, not because I have to tell you this, but because I have to tell myself. I look forward to the day I can look back and see what God has done in and through my life. That's what I do. Because in that moment when you're dealing with that struggle, in that moment that you feel, where are you, God? There will come a day you'll look back and go, ah, that's why you did it that way, God. For some, there's moments in my life where I wonder, God, why did you do that? And I'm still waiting. I know in heaven I'll look back and say, ah, that's why. But most of my life, I've been able to look back and say, ah, God, that's why you did that. I wish this had happened. I applied for a job and I didn't get it. And then the flood came and I went, ah, God, you wanted me there at that church. That's why I was there for that. When we release all those burdens that we have to God, we can look back and say, in those times, God was faithful. Christ's work on the cross helps us live today, for there is coming a tomorrow that will be far greater than any other day. As the worship team makes their way up, I want to read one of my favorite hymns that I heard this morning on the, as I was listening to music. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord, Grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Look at Calvary's mount, it was outpoured. There where the blood of the lamb was split. Why? Because grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that's greater than all of our sin. It covers everything. Because when sin and despair and like the sea waves come cold, they threaten our soul in infinite loss the writer says, grace that is greater, yes, grace untold, points to the refuge, the mighty cross. Marvelous, infinite, matchless grace, you can't beat God's grace. It's freely bestowed on all who believe. If you are a follower of Christ, you receive that grace. All the who are longing to see his face, will you this moment today Receive his grace. Folks, if you have not given your life over to Christ, today is the day you must do it. Because in a moment, we are going to come to communion, a time where we celebrate of what Christ has done. Paul reminds us in words of scripture, he says, when I receive from the Lord that I also pass on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this, so whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Folks, we're going to take some time to celebrate communion together as a body. If you are new here and you're a follower of Christ, this is how we do it. We're going to, the worship team is going to lead us in some singing, and we encourage you to come up to the table. There will be two cups, the crackers underneath and the juices on top. Take a cup. If you come down the main aisles and return to your seat in the middle aisle, that would be great. Help with the, the flow. And we gather together. We'll wait till everyone is served, and then we'll take communion together. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to a time of remembrance of what you have done for us, may we commune together as a body of believers to celebrate your body broken for us, your blood shed for our forgiveness. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We trust you have been encouraged and challenged in your faith journey. If you're desiring prayer, want more information on our church, want to partner with us or be involved in any way, please go to our website at mountoliveefc.com. We'll see you next time.